for all of you that um, had not heard it from us, Merry Christmas. Yes, I know it's past, but we are still praising God for his perfect gift um, in Christ um, that um, was born so that he would die, um, so that we would live. And I just love that it is a gift that continues on. Good morning, Solid Word. Um, those of you who are here in person and those of you who are watching us live stream, we are grateful to be gathered again in this last Sunday in 2020. Um, thank God that he has us um, here. He still has a purpose for us. He still has a reason for our being, um, and he is still allowing us to gather. And so we are finishing this year worshiping God. Hopefully it was the same way that you started this year, worshiping God. And so we also get to this morning as a group, be able to remember um, the reason that Christ was born. We get to do this in remembrance of, um, of him in that he died so that he would be resurrected. I'm saying again, so that we would live. So this morning we get to participate in communion. And those of you who are at home, you can, um, you can grab um, uh, what you need, what you have, and you can join in with us um, as, we, <clears throat> as we remember um, the apex of God's plan. And so this morning, I'm going to turn and focus our hearts <clears throat> and prepare us for communion. For those of you that want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want us to remember that in a time in which our world is so divided, and even within the body of Christ, we behave in a divided manner, because God's body, I mean, the body of Christ is not physically divided. Christ cannot be divided, although we may behave in a divided manner. Or we may be showing that we're not a part of the body if we refuse to come together. Um, but this scripture, as we know, and you've heard me say repeatedly, talks about the unity of the body because of what Christ has done. And that Paul, in his strong rebuke of the Corinthians, were trying to get them back to the intent and the purpose and the context for communion. And that was remembering what Christ did to bring us back to God, thus to bring us together. Thus, when we celebrated, we cannot be divided. And so this morning, I want to read for us, and I'm going to start at verse 17 of that chapter. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? 
or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he, I mean, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. I'm constantly reminded as I read through this text the the number of times words are used, the number of times he uses the body, discerning the body, discerning the body. Wow, what do you mean, Lord? Discerning what it means to be a body, discerning the body of Christ and all that comes with that what had to happen in order for there to be a body of Christ. And so he says to us, remember, remember, remember what I'm doing so that you remain a body or that you discern the body properly. Because not discerning, not understanding what it means to be a body can be detrimental to you. And so he puts this reminder for us that regardless of what's happening in our world, as divided as our world is, as divided as our nation is, as divided sometimes as our fellowships can be. God says, remember, discern the body. And he tells us to do that as we hang on to the truth, the truth that was displayed in Christ and that was given by Christ. And so this morning, as you take, as we eat and as we drink, We want to remember the body. I'm going to have us pray for us, and then we're going to go ahead and partake. If you haven't already, you can take out your packets. I'm going to ask us to stand for this, those that are here. You that are home, you can choose to stand or not. I won't see it. And he tells us that, he says, this is my body which was broken for you. And as we eat, we remember the broken body of Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Father, that you were broken, that we would be made whole. Father, that you were bruised, Lord, so that we would be healed. Father, you were pierced, Lord, so that as your blood spill, we would live. Father, we thank you that because of your sacrifice, we 
have the benefit. And this morning, as we remember, as we discern the body, Father, we realize that it was broken for us. May we live in a whole manner, and may we be willing to be broken so that others, O oh God, would be able to see Christ. And so, Father, this morning, we eat remembering you. Let us eat together. And we know with the cup, Scripture clearly tells us without the shedding, without the spilling of blood, there is no forgiveness. There's no remission of sin at all. Blood had to be spilled. And as we drink, we thank God that his love for us went all the way to an excruciating death. And he set that as an example of how much he loves us and how much you have. So before we drink together, let me just pray. Father, as we drink, may we remember, Lord, and wait, may we remember that, God, that you gave your life for us. Father, may we in turn give our lives for you and for those that are in the body. Let us drink together. Father, indeed, as we leave from here, Lord, as we close out this year, Father, as we, as we finish 2020, Lord, that started with so many high hopes and, Lord, is ending with, <clears throat> with something that is totally different, I pray, God, that we would remember you. We would remember what you've done that we would remember the great love in Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, and that may we remember the great resurrection of Christ as we celebrate his birth. Father, may we live not just in the birth of Christ, but Father, may we live out of the resurrection of Christ so that we would display to the world your great love for mankind. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Before I get into our word this morning, I really just want to thank all of you guys for how you have <clears throat> um, weathered um, all that we have been through. Um, how you have allowed the Lord to use you, how you have allowed the Lord to sustain you. I know at times we felt like it was a roller coaster ride um, or that <laughs> like we were being exiled or punished. Sometimes you felt like you were being banished by yourself. And yet, here you are, still here at the end of the year, still in a place where you can worship God. Some of us have experienced more loss than others, but everyone has experienced loss in some way this past year. Some of us have experienced more pain than others, but all of us have experienced some sort of pain this year. Some of us have <clears throat> um, experienced longer down times than others. Some have had to work harder than others. And yet all of you are still here. And I praise God that you have 
allowed him to sustain you. Some of you may feel like you are just barely holding on, and yet you are still here. And even when, as I was once told in a dark season of my life, even when you feel like you are barely holding on, God has got you fully in his grip and will not let go. And so here we are at this end of the year. And usually this is a time where people are uh, um, very reflective, thinking about what has happened this year, thinking about what this new year is going to hold. I've, I've not seen many of the New Year's resolutions ramping up like they normally do yet. I think people are a a little gun shy. Uh, We said a lot in 2019 as we entered 2020. We heard all the slogans, you know, 2020 vision and and, and how this was going to be our year and and we were going to see things clearly and differently. And I do believe that we've seen things differently. And I hope that we've seen things a whole lot more clearly just not quite what we thought it would be. But as we end this year, I'm thanking God that however strong or however sputtering your faith was in that process, you're still here. That's what I praise God for. Your faith is still standing, however strong or weak it may be and that God still has you as you enter or get ready to enter 2021. And so my question for us, as I say all that, is what did you see? What did you see? Today, my text It's kind of a main and then a sub, finishing strong, finishing well. Finishing this year as we get into a next one, finishing strong and finishing well. But I want to ask a question with that. What did you see this year? And I'm doing that play on because we talked about and we heard about, I even used that phrase of having 2020 vision that we wanted to, see clearly what the Lord wanted and what he was going to do this year. Remember, as we started this year and the excitement and the hopes that were high and all the things that we were hoping we would do or we were waiting with this great expectation about what this banner year was going to be like. We had all kinds of hopes only for it, not very long into it, to change dearly. Our landscape has changed. What did you see? Some of the people that were here with us are not any longer. What did you see? Some of the things that we used to have, we don't anymore. What did you see? Some of the relationships that were there may be strained or may have even disappeared. What did you see? And the reason I ask that is because as I'm going to read our main text, I believe that 
part of that was because of what the Apostle Paul was able to see throughout his Christian walk, throughout his life. In 2 Corinthians, some will help us. Finishing strong, finishing well. What did you see? What has the Lord allowed you to see this year? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Very familiar text. Don't let the familiarity cause you to veer off in your thoughts. Don't let it cause you to say, oh, I know this, and you begin to check out. Let God speak to you in a fresh way um, from his word that is always timely and that is always fresh. Not because I'm doing it in some novel way, but because the spirit of God working on your heart with his word will bring a freshness to your life. Paul, we know this was written toward the end of his life. He's writing to Timothy, and he wants him, and there's some things for him to remember. He's charged him as a young pastor. He has, he has really focused his attention on what he is going to need to do to finish from here, and by implication, without him. Timothy has been rolling with Paul for years, and now he's not with him. Paul is writing to him. And soon he will not be there for him like he was before. And so he is encouraging him. It's in this chapter where we get, for those of us who preach God's word, the charge that Paul gave to Timothy to preach the word, whether it, I mean, um, whether it is in season, meaning people are accepting it and it is cool and fine to preach, or whether it is out of season, no one wants to hear it. He says to them, look, because everyone won't always be patting you on the back. I have a problem with preachers that have to have the huge crowd with them in order for them to preach God's word. I was like, well, you didn't understand the charge of Paul. You didn't understand the life of Christ. Sometimes there'll be very few people that may want to hear what you have to say, not because you didn't prepare. Hopefully that's not the, um, hopefully that's not the case, but because what you are saying may not be what they're interested in. And Paul is telling Timothy, listen, I'm getting ready to leave. I want you to understand some things. I want you to be ready. I want you to finish well because, and he gets to verse six, I'm finishing well. Listen to what he says. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. As a matter of fact, this text, part of this verse, part of this text you guys may have heard this because I've mentioned it before, is on my mother's um, tombstone. Um, I chose and my family let me choose. I was the one that chose that verse that is inscribed there because that, I believe, was her life as she finished it. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
finishing strong, finishing well. Now, why I am not saying by any stretch that I want this to be a message because I think that you won't be here tomorrow. No, I want you to be able to finish this year as we go into the next one strong. I want you as Paul to be able to fight, finish, and keep because that's what he did in this verse. He fought a good fight or a fight that was approved. He was fighting the right way and he was fighting the right things. Got to remember that because we're all fighting. We just not we may just not be fighting the right fight. He finished the race. He didn't he didn't get an incomplete. Love ever you guys. I did in a class. That was the worst feeling in the world that when you keep a class too long in school and you miss the drop period. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That's why you're laughing. You get what's called an incomplete. You got to take the whole thing over again. I let that happen once. That was the worst feeling in the world because I was like, I did whatever work I did up until that point was for nothing because I got no credit for it. And so he says here, I finished the race. I didn't stop in between. I didn't get tired. I didn't quit. Then he says, in that process of finishing, of fighting, of finishing, I never lost my faith. He didn't say it never got weak. He said, I never abandoned it. I have kept the faith. And so when I think of finishing strong, finishing well, I look at Paul's text here. I look at his charge to Timothy, and he is saying to him, look, Timothy, here's what I want you to know and what I've been able to do. I've come to my end, and I want you to understand this is how I want you to end. Fighting, finishing, and keeping. As we in 2020, fight, finish, and keep. But let me ask you with that, though. So what do you see? If this is going to be us this year, every year, until the day the Lord decides our time on earth is over and it's done, what are you going to keep seeing? So let me ask you this year, what do you see? And I want to ask in three areas, as we've gone through 2020, as we want to be people that keeps fighting, that we keep finishing and that we and, and that we keep keeping. What do you see? What has this year caused you to focus on? In three areas. What do you see about God? What do you see about yourself? And what do you see about your world? That's what I want us to, to think on this morning. As we finish this year. And the quest is to finish strong our life. Part of that life is this year. What has God showed you? As I said, we all, boy, we all had some kind of hope. I did for myself, for my family, for this church. And I stand here a few days from the end of this year, and I go, what did I see? Because I surely didn't see the things that I thought would happen. 
What did I see about God? Let me direct your attention just real quick to Job chapter 42, 5. Why do I direct you there? It's because Job did something and said something after that long, long, hard journey where he lost everything. You talk about us losing in a pandemic. This man lost everything. He didn't lose one thing. He didn't just lose his family. That alone was enough. All his kids, not one, all. Then he lost his wife because she left him because he, she thought he was foolish for still hanging on to God through that. And if that wasn't enough to drive someone nuts and crazy, then he lost all of his finances. That um, part of that thing which gave him that place in society, he lost everything, bankrupt we could call it, totally destroyed financially, nothing in the account, gone. And if that wasn't enough, then he lost his health. And as the scripture says, as he sat there scratching the sores, that was intentional to give us a picture of what was happening, of what he was going through. This is no flannel storybook thing. This is a man really dealing with these issues in life. What must have been going through his head as he's now like any human, Job wasn't a robot. He wasn't some sort of fictitious character. He was a human that had experienced tremendous, tremendous loss. And he was living righteously. Remember, I've said before, as we've talked about Job, Job is that book that introduces to us that the righteous suffer because there would come one after Job who was more righteous than Job, who would suffer more greatly than Job for you and I, and that is Christ. And people misunderstood Christ too because they couldn't understand why would someone so righteous and so holy suffer so much. Ah, let's take you back to when God introduced us to that in the book of Job. And so what do we see about God? For some of us, we're still angry with God for what he has allowed us to lose or what he may have taken or what he may have allowed to transpire that we thought, man, that was a fair way. I'll never get to do that. I'll never get that back again. I'll never, and you fill in the blank. What do you see about God? Do you still think he's sovereign? Do you still think he's all wise? Do you think he's still good? I know many times when we share about God being good, it's usually in the context of him giving us something we want or something we like. God is good, and we usually put it with, we never go, God is good, he allowed me to lose my job. God is good, one of my loved ones is no longer here. God is good, those things which we normally love to have and to experience, we couldn't because of this global pandemic. Are we still seeing God as good? What do you see about God? Is he still trustworthy to you? Job says at the end 
Because remember, he called guard on the carpet. He was like, I can't understand why you have me after the length of time. In the beginning, he still trusted God. At the end, he began to waver like any of us would have if one of those things happened to you. And he begins to question God's, in God's actions and behavior. And God never, understand, God never, if you read Job, God never comes back and says, Job, what are you talking about? How are you going to question me? What's wrong with you, boy? Instead, God gives him a dose of who he is. And if you read towards the end, you get the where were you message that God gave Job. You think God was just showing off? No. What had happened was that Job's perspective of who God is was beginning to be clouded by his affliction. And God needed to give Job some good perspective. So what did he do? He says, let me show you who I am a little bit. And so he goes to where were you when? When I hung the stars, when I set the earth on its axis, when I, he was, he wasn't, he wasn't telling Job, be quiet and shut up. He was like, no, no, no. I want you to see who I am because your affliction has caused you to forget me and who I am. And as he set him on course, Job in verse 42, verse five says, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes see you. See, Job experienced God in a different way, in a more intimate way, and he saw him more clearly. When did he see him more clearly? As he came through what would be the worst and most severe affliction and struggle of his life. What are you seeing now that we are coming through this about God? Have you now experienced him differently? Oh, are you still just mad at him and think he doesn't know what he's doing? And can we just get out of 2020 and get back to, to the way things were? God has caused all of the earth to see differently. His children should be seeing him clearly, more clearly now. Do your eyes see him? Or are you still just hearing about him? So let me ask you this, your allegiance to God. Is he still the God of the scriptures? Or is he a God of your own making and choosing right now because of what we've happened? Questions I've written down. See, because whatever is leading you, directing you, persuading you will be your God. How do you see God? Not only am I asking you, what do you see about God? As you finish, I'm sorry, as you fight, finish, and keep, what do you see about yourself and your life? One of the things that this pandemic has done is it has reminded us of the temporary nature of life. Luke 12, 15, you can just write this down for later. Luke 12, 15 reminds us in the story of the rich young ruler where he said, where, I mean, not rich young ruler, where the person asks, Jesus, tell my brother to share his wealth with me. And Jesus said, be careful, 
Hmm. Life is not about, a man's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. In, in, in essence, he says, your life is not about the material. That's not where your life exists. And boy, today, if never before, we saw that. We saw that this year. There was nothing about your possessions that could keep you from what hit this world. There was nothing about who you were, who you knew. Oh, it may have helped you to quarantine easier. Your struggle may have been less. I saw this quote on Facebook and I liked the picture that it created. It said, we are not all in the same boat. We are all in the same storm. And some of us are in yachts. Some of us are in boats. Some of us are in the water about to drown. And it says, remember that as you deal with people. I loved that thought because the storm has hit all of us. It has hit us hard. And sometimes our resources could help. But let me tell you, when that when this virus and the effects of it hit everyone, it caused some pain or discomfort of loss, regardless of what you had. And it reminded us that life is temporary. I'm reminded of Paul again as he talks to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. That might describe how you feel right now. What do you see about yourself? Is it over, messed up, finished? Now, I know this context was Paul in ministry and the afflictions that they were, that they were suffering and that they had to handle. But what God is allowing you and I to handle, what is it showing you about yourself? Listen to what he says. He says, look, he says, this that God has given us, this treasure, this Christ in us, and, and, and thus this message of Christ we give to you, it is in clay jars or cracked pots. And the reason God puts that treasure into these jars of clay is so that the power that is seen in you and I would be evident and be known that it is not us, but God in us. And thus he says, when God is in you, he says, here's what happens. Yes, we're afflicted. I want to use his own words. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. He's, he's helping somebody out here. You may be going through some extreme affliction, that which hurts, that which is, is, is bruising your body but is not crushing you 
as a believer. Or it should not be. He says, you may be confused, God, I don't understand at all why you've done this or why you've allowed this. But he says, but it shouldn't lead to despair. He says, persecuted because of your faith in this. And but when you're persecuted, boy, the thing that we struggle with is that we feel like we've been left alone or forsaken. Persecuted but not forsaken. And then he reminds us as you jump down to verse 16. Again, he's talking about the ministry and the pain that they've, that they've had during the ministry. But verse 16 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then he gives us, like Job, some perspective. For this light Momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What are you learning about yourself? Let me ask some questions. Where were your eyes fixed at the beginning of 2020 and where are they fixed now? What gets your attention? Where are your eyes now focused? What is it that they're focused on? What do you what did you value most as 2020 came into being? Be honest with yourself. I don't want to hear it. That's you and God. What was your value as 2020 rolled in? What is it now? Has it changed? Has it focused? What is God showing you and has shown you about you in this process? Let me ask you this. How were you living when 2020 rolled in before all of this started? How were you living? What kind of life? Was God approving of it? And what kind of life are you living now? Where are you? What are you seeing about yourself? And then lastly, what are you seeing about our world, about your world. We've gone through quite a bit, not only a global pandemic, murder, riots, anger, fighting, infighting, outfighting, mistrust, distrust, our world is broken. It didn't just start now. It's always been that way. We're just seeing it more and more as the day goes on, as time goes on, and as sin increases in our world. What do you see about this world? I'm going to step back to Corinthians again. When he talks about this being temporal, when we talk about how at the end, verse 18, as I read, um, it says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What he tells us is when you look around and, you're, and, and your eyes gaze on anything on this, on this ball, anything that I look at, 
even you and me, meaning our physical bodies. I can't see your spirit. I'm talking about your physical body. Every and anything that you gaze your eyes on is temporary. Anything that you can see is not eternal. And that's, that's true. I can, you know, I, I know we love the rides that we have. <laughs> temporary. Going to get old. It's going to rust. I know we try and keep our bodies in shape. Temporary. It's going to change. Newsflash. You're not going to be in this shape forever. As hard as you try. Buildings, as much as we try and keep them up, temporary. Lifestyles, jobs, entertainment, you name it, it doesn't matter. Anything that your eyes can focus on is temporary. And he says to us, what, how, how do you view your world now? What do you see? Are you still trying to grab all you can get? Or do you realize that this is a temporary assignment here on earth and that God is using me so that I proclaim his name and that I live out the life that he's allowed me to live? Yes, you can enjoy some things. Yes, you have fun. Yes, you can be entertained, go on vacation, have relationships, be with people, hopefully soon more people, but that all those things are great. But he says, is that all of what your life is? And if it is, you are not viewing your world the way you need to. This is a temporary assignment. Has what has happened caused you to focus more? Listen to what he says. That Here's what I realized is that our world is sinful it's broken, it needs Jesus, and God sends us to be in it, but not of it. We are not persuaded by it, we are not directed by it, we are not governed by it, but we live in it. We get to enjoy it, we get to suffer through it. So he says to us, hmm, First John says, oh, um, chapter two, verse 16, all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That, that he, said, he says, in the, in the system that the world operates under, these are the things that it does. And if you are aware of that, as you go out there, you are better prepared to deal with it, to enjoy it, and to live in it. Because ultimately, here's what's going to happen. What you see will determine how you fight. Going back to 2 Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. What you see will determine how you fight. What you see will determine how you finish. And if you finish, if you see God as unfair, as not trustworthy, as vindictive, as he doesn't know what he's doing, as how could he allow this? You're in danger of not finishing if you keep that up. 
But if you realize that God loves you, has you wrapped, yes, he has allowed some things to happen. I go back to the story of Job. I thank God he has not allowed what happened to Job to happen to me. I mean, he just, I, it was a man who lost everything and was alone. And then the people that were supposed to be his friends turned on him and told him he was a liar. He must have been leaving in some sort of secret sin because God wouldn't allow this to happen to somebody living righteously, dude. So stop lying and just come forward with it. I thought, man. I don't need friends like that. See, we read Job and we can turn to the end. You ever did that with a book that you didn't like what you were reading? You were like, I'm tired of this. Let me go to the end and see how this finishes. We can, he couldn't do that with his life. He couldn't turn to the end and go, oh, God brings and restores me back. He didn't know that. Just like you don't know what's going to happen down the road in your story. You have no idea what's going to happen. But you still hang on to God. So what you see will determine how you fight. What you see will determine how you finish. And of course, we know lastly, what you see will determine what you keep. Are you going to keep the faith? All depends on what you see. About God, about yourself, and about your world. Paul reminds us in Corinthians, he says, this light and momentary affliction. I have to stop there just for a second as we get ready to close. Understand the severe affliction Paul and his group was under when he makes that statement. He's not saying light because it didn't hurt. He's not saying light because it wasn't severe. He's not saying light because he could brush it off and I could forget about it in a little while. Oh, it, it, oh, it hurt, but it's going to be over in a little bit. It's like when you go to take that needle and you, oh, that moment, but then it's done. No, these were things that were painful and were enduring. The light was in comparison with eternity. And see, when Paul was able to get his perspective, his eyesight, what he saw somewhere else that was outside of this world, it helped him in this world. That light affliction only came as he looked at glory, as he looked at eternity. He said, when I look at what's coming, this is light. When I look at what's going to happen, this is light. And for you and I, if all we got is here, this I can't take. This is too much. I don't know about y'all. If this is it, I don't know why anyone doesn't lose their mind if this is all there is. All the loss and, and all the things canceled and all the things that have never be returned and, and brought back. And if this is it, but if I throw my eyes on God who has set up not only this life, but eternity, it changes my perspective, thus it changes my actions. So my question for you, what did you learn this year, 
from what you saw? For some people, they've learned that they had some idols that they had no idea they had propped up in their life. Some fo- some, for some folks, they needed that, they saw that they needed to love Jesus in a more intimate way and love people as a result of that. And my last question is, how will you live as a result of what you have seen? How will you live? What's going to change? Don't make any resolutions other than, Lord, I want to commit to trusting you continually in this year, regardless of what comes. I know we'll see the, well, we'll see the social media posts about what I'm going to do this year. I think some people have learned the lesson. They're like, I ain't going to say nothing. Until we get into this year, I'm not making any promises. I'm just going to see what's happening. New Year's resolution, I'm going to see what happens. But for some people, they'll start to make the predictions. And here's my deal. How will you live as a result of what we've seen this year? What will 2021 be like? I know one thing, as we get through the pandemic and the weather starts to get nicer, y'all going to see me outside a whole lot more. You're going to be like, what, does this man live outside? I'm going to be outside a whole lot because I just want to be out and with people as the Lord allows that. But how will you live differently? What's going to change? What is God going to do in you and through you this year? As we get into January we're going to begin to talk about this whole issue of vision and, and, and what are we looking forward to. Not it's going to happen, but what do we see as we look forward? How is God going to use us? How are we going to prepare ourselves that as God changes, however change looks like, I don't know what that is. How are we going to respond and live? But remember, it comes now on what do you see? And once you see clearly, let me help you. Once you see clearly, you can live more clearly. Once you see clearly, you can live more purposely. Once you see clearly, you'll finish. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that... God, I know many times as we finish a year, reflection sometimes can be difficult, but it can also be exciting. And Lord, I know this year it may seem to be a lot tougher. And yet, Father, we know one constant, you, you are there, you stay, you remain, you haven't changed. Lord, hopefully we have as we've drawn closer to you. We may have stumbled, we may have, we may have faltered, we may have walked more strongly, but Lord, we've changed. And I pray today, God, that in that change, we would continue to focus our hearts and our minds on you. Father, we need you. More than ever, we need you. And we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed and gazed on Christ so that what we see will determine how we live. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen.
This morning, there are some that you're still not seeing clearly because you've never put your focus and your gaze and your eyesight on Christ. You've never allowed yourself to be changed by him, and that can change this morning as you end this year. You can begin a new year more differently, um, differently than you ever were, and that is because you have a relationship with Christ. This morning, if you've never made that decision to be in a relationship with Christ, that can change right now. If you're watching and you're sitting here, if you've never had that opportunity or you've never taken advantage of that opportunity to realize that you're a sinner, you were born that way. It wasn't because of something you did. You didn't do anything. When you entered this world, you entered in sin, according to the scriptures. And that God sent his son Christ as that remedy. We celebrate at Christmas the birth of Christ. Um, and that was just the beginning that he was going to live. He was going to die and he was going to be resurrected so that we would live in him if we embraced and received what he has done. And so today, confessing yourself as a sinner, receiving the finished work of Christ as true in your own, and repenting of that sin, you too can be in the family of God today and begin a journey that'll change your life. It'll change what you see. It'll change how you live. You can do that this morning by just praying wherever you are. If you do that, can I ask you to connect with us and give us a call? Write us. There'll be some information at the end on the screen for those that are watching. For those that are here, you can talk to me or um, any one of our leaders that are here after we finish, please, and that we can, we can help you to start that journey. Some of us this morning, you know Christ, but God wants your full attention, and he doesn't have it yet. And he is asking you, do I have your attention yet? Because he wants it. For some of us, he has our attention, and he's telling us, now let's dig in and let's move forward. Wherever you are, God is ready. Wherever you are, God is ready. Father, may we move from here, ready to hear and listen to what you are saying. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Um, just as a reminder, we are going to have a New Year's Eve prayer time, prayer and testimony time by Zoom, yes. Um, New, Year's, uh, um, New Year's Eve. Um, we'll make it early enough that we won't interrupt any of your home celebrations or however you are going to gather, um, hopefully small. Um, um, it will be at seven, and um, the longest we'll go is is eight. If it finishes sooner, then that's fine. And um, a link will be sent out by um, by email, um, and um, or it'll be on our Facebook page as well, so that um, you'll be able to tune in if you want to. Again, just a time of praise and prayer. We still have something to praise God for. We 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 still have something to praise God about and over. And as we enter this new year, let it be with that, that, that same excitement because God doesn't change. He doesn't change at all. And let's continue to allow God to actually use us. We have some things that are coming up in the new year and um, ways in which we will help um, people. I want to read just this real quick. 
before we go. As some of you know, we've um, been able to make a, a connection. There is a program within one of the IPS schools, Northwest Middle School, that um, in conjunction with the clinic, uh, we were able to meet the program's administrator, principal there. Um, the newcomer school is a, I mean, the newcomer program is a program within IPS um, that helps immigrants who are coming new into the country for their first year to help get them acclimated into life here in America. And the whole school program is set for that. Most of these, um, um, uh, all of the kids that have come through it and their families are getting introduced here. And so we, through a connection with crew here in Indy, came in contact with them. This was a while back, Curse that several months ago. Um, we went over to the school, socially distant, masked up, and we met um, principal and, and, and other administrators there and had forged a relationship. They were some of the recipients of the adoptive family this year and were extremely grateful. They were some of the recipients of the, of the um, Thanksgiving um, boxes that we had. And uh, we're also planning to be in um, conjunction with crew that they are going to have a large box of love food box distribution coming early February that we're going to be one of two, maybe three churches that's in it. It'll be us, Faith Church, and maybe one other church that will be involved in this. And so as we come Together, we're going to hit our respective areas, faith church around their church and a lot of the immigrant community that exists that they minister to us, our neighborhood here, and the people of newcomer um, program in the IPS school. As a result of what has already happened, um, the administrator of the program sent a letter and sent it out um, Christmas Eve, and I saw it actually yesterday because I hadn't been checking my mail um, since then, and I want to read it to us. And it's the newcomer program at Northwest Middle School. Um, Dr. Um, Arturo Rodriguez is the administrator of the program. He said, to the members of Solid Word Bible Church, my name is Arturo Rodriguez. I am the school building administrator for the newcomer program in Indianapolis, Indiana. I write on behalf of the um, of the IPS of the Indianapolis Public Schools to thank you for your generous contribution. The students and families at Newcomer Program will benefit from your charitable contributions both now and in the future. In times of limited resources, contributions such as yours make an incredible difference in what is available to our learning community. Your contributions will serve hundreds of newly arriving families to the United States. The newcomers are scholars that arrive to the U.S. from every corner of the globe, Eastern, Western, and Central Africa, South and Central America, the Caribbean, and Southeast Asia. Uh, they are refugees, asylum seekers, displaced families, or unaccompanied minors. Typically, the education of these scholars is interrupted by natural disasters, wars, famine, exploitation, human trafficking, economic and geopolitical conflicts, or persecution, where they are coming from. 
newcomer program and solid words share a common mission, which is giving, he says. It is a blessing to forge our efforts to serve our less fortunate. Um, the words of Mrs. Coretta Scott King comes to mind. He says, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. Your gift will truly your gift will be truly appreciated at Newcomer Program. I look forward to a continual partnership to identify and provide services to our community. Again, thank you and be safe. And one of the other things that they utilize as well is the clinic. They've been coming on a pretty regular basis. And so we have families who um, have no insurance when they arrive. Some are underinsured and they are able to. And if you know where um, the Northwest High School, now middle school is, 34th and High School Road um, area, that's that, that although we can't target that whole area, in addition to what we're doing with the schools across the street, we can bring them in as well and be able to help them. Just as a note, what we are looking to do in February for us in conjunction with crew and with their help, with their fundraising efforts, with all that they are doing. We are looking to be able to distribute and pack. It won't be here, but we're um, working on a place at how we do that to pack and distribute 200 boxes between um, split between our community here with the schools 100 and newcomer school um, 100 there that will help that as well. Um, we are working that they are looking to provide the place because they have a lot of space where that can be packed and we can do it in a distant fashion. And so we're looking to do that. But we thank God that Crew Inner City is actually helping us to do this. And um, I used to be on staff with them years ago um, back in New York. And so that connection was reestablished. I think it's really a really cool full circle. My director at that time when I first came on staff, this young city dude in his 20s that was coming on with this ministry. Um, um, he is now coming to me to say, can we help with this focus and this effort here in Indianapolis, which I think is, is, is just God at work. Um, one of their supporting churches is faith. I didn't know that at the time when I met them because I didn't know anything about who was here in Indianapolis, but here it comes now, full circle, they have families and friends at Faith. He was my old director. We're still good friends. He comes back around and says, we're doing this in Indianapolis. Do you want to be a part of this? And I was like, of course. And so we have this great opportunity that is before us. So as we look into this new year, ask yourself, God, how do you want to use me? What are you going to do? I want to be in on it. Henry Blackaby, in his old book, Experiencing God, many of you guys remember that book from years ago, he made a, he made a comment, you know, find out what God is doing and join in. We always want to tell God what we want to do. He made a statement, God is always working, always. Many times we just don't know what he's doing. And so he says, find out what he's doing and join in. And for you and I today, I'm going to ask us for this year, 2021, find out what God is doing and let's join in. Have a very happy new year. You guys be safe, celebrate well, celebrate safely.
And we look forward to what God is going to do and how he heals us and how he helps us. Amen? You're in the hands of our ushers.